0: Well, good morning everyone. We are continuing in our series, God and Us. And this morning, we're going to be talking about God as the greatest giver of all. You see, God has given us His one and only Son. He's given us the perfect Holy Spirit. He's also given us a wonderful life to live. And so this morning, Pastor Marcia is going to speak to us on how we can be just like God in being the greatest giver of all. So let's welcome Pastor Marcia Krieger as she comes and shares with us this morning. Well, good morning. So we are continuing our series, God and Us. And if you're like me, there are times when you sit in here and you hear a message, and you say, "Man, I gotta apply that." And the thing is, we go home and we start making changes. The problem with that is those changes are from the outside. I'm deciding how to act. I'm controlling my emotions. I'm controlling my words. And then as soon as some pressure hits me, bills come in, kids come over, come over and mess up my house I just cleaned, I'm driving and someone cuts me off, as soon as something like that, happens, I revert back to my old self. Well, that's why we're in this series because it has to be God and us. It needs to be God in us the hope of glory to affect our hearts to make the changes that we need to make. The Bible says it's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. And so if we're going to change, we need to partner with God and allow Him to move and change our lives. So today we're going to address giving. And I know sometimes that gets a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, God is the greatest giver of all. And we're going to use a scripture that we all know. It's a pretty famous one. In fact, when, like Leilani said earlier, if you watch football, baseball, NASCAR, basketball, soccer, somebody is in this um, stands holding up a sign this is John 3:16 you see it on bumper stickers you see it on shirts you see it on billboards across the mainland and even when people don't read the bible they know exactly where that is from christians like to use it because in one sentence it captures the very heart of god god loves so he gave so today we're going to take this scripture that everybody knows and we're going to use it to see how we can develop a heart like God so that we can be like him, the greatest giver of all. So I'm going to ask you to take out your notes. And at the top of your notes, you'll find John 3:16 printed. If you want, you can look in your Bibles, or we'll have it on the screen. What I would like to do is start off by reading the scripture together. So it's going to come up on the screens. You ready? Go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Would you underline loved and gave? God loved the world so much that he gave. Out of his great love for us, God chose to give. And it wasn't because he loved a certain group of people or a particular nation, no one earned his love. The Bible says God loved the world. So he gave his love and his giving was unconditional and without boundaries. And if we're going to learn to give like God, then we need to do this. And you can write it in your first blank, give without limits. We need to learn to give without limits. God's greatest gift to us was inspired by his love for us. John starts out this statement by saying, For God so loved the world that he gave. The Greek word used for love here is agape. We can take it to mean unconditional. It's a word that's often used to describe the outrageously unrestricted love of God. When he chose to give his son to pay for our sins, his giving was motivated by his unconditional love towards us. And he didn't limit his love or his action. It was unconditional. Now, I have a confession. I have these grandkids that I love. They are the apple of my eye. And whenever I walk into Walmart or Target, if I pass the toy department or the children's clothing, no matter what I went in there to buy, it could be just a bottle of aspirin, I'm going to leave with something for my grandkids. I love them so much that just the thought of them makes me want to give. It's uncontrollable. Now, here's something else. If I'm standing in that toy department and I think of your kids, I think of your kids. I'm not tempted to buy them anything. I love them. I enjoy talking to them. They're fun to talk to out here on Sundays. They're fun to talk to in town. But my love for them stops somewhere around my wallet. But that's not so with my grandkids. If you ask my husband, he'll say that my giving to my grandkids is uncontrollable. But that's how God gives to us. He gives unconditionally, without merit or boundaries. He gives simply because he loves us. So I'm going to ask you, go back to John 3.16 in your notes, and circle the world. See, God didn't send his son to a select group of people. He sent Jesus for all people. Nobody had to pass tests. We didn't need to know anything special. We didn't have to do anything to earn this gift. His giving was without limit because his love is without limits. And that is what we must desire to look like. We must be willing to give in the very same way. It could be said that we must excel in our giving. God encourages us through the Apostle Paul to do as well in our giving as we do in other areas of our lives. And Paul wrote in a letter to the church in Corinth, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I looked up Excel. Excel means to be superior, to surpass an accomplishment or achievement. The Corinthian church did well in loving. They did well in living out their faith. They did well in the way they spoke to each other, and they even did well in their knowledge. And Paul says, great job. Go for it. And then he challenges them. Do as well in giving as you do in all of these areas. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it easier for me to speak kindly or politely to someone I find it other to lo- easy to love others. I find it easy to believe in God. But when it comes to giving, there's a bit of a struggle. See, I want to give some, but not all. Now, last week, I was working on this message about giving. And I had this hair appointment I needed to get up and go to. So I was rushing out, and as I'm rushing to my car, I passed my husband, who also is up here. And I said, hey, I didn't have time to pack lunch today, so I grabbed all the leftover pasta. And it's kind of like a big, zip, you know, the gallon Ziploc bag size. I said, I, I grabbed all that, and I brought it up. And um, you can share it for lunch, but make sure I have some left, because when I come back, I'm going to be hungry. And I said, I don't, you know, just a little, just save me a little. So he said, okay. And I went to the hair appointment. And then when I came back, everybody was done eating. And usually what we'll do is we'll sit together in one of the rooms and we'll eat. We'll pick at each other's food. So everybody was back at their desks. And I went in. And I sat at my desk. And I started working on this message about giving. And then I realized I was hungry. So I got up. And I walked out to the main office. And I opened the refrigerator. And I'm looking. And I'm moving things around. And I don't ever see any pasta. So I close the refrigerator and I walk back to my office. And then I look in my lunch bag and I'm looking and there's no pasta. So I'm thinking, okay, I wonder what he did with it. So I walked back to the refrigerator, open it up again, and Sandy, who volunteers in our office, she's just watching me very quietly. And I'm moving things around and there's no pasta. So I close the refrigerator and I look at Sandy and I said, um, did my husband eat all the pasta? And she says, yeah, and then she went to typing. (laughs) So, I went back to my office and you know my husband is a really wonderful husband and he doesn't forget about me and I know that. So I picked up the phone and I called him and I said, Hey, you know, I, I know I said you could share the pasta and I know that you saved some from me, but I just can't find it. He goes, Ooh. And <laughs> I just sat there. He goes, I'm so sorry. He goes, I forgot. And he goes, But they really liked your pasta. <laughs> and I go, But I'm hungry. And he goes, I'm really sorry. And he copped. I know every one of you guys who ate my pasta, by the way. And I said, and then I could have let him off the hook. But everybody who knows me, I'm not like that. And I kind of like took it along for a while. And I go, well, okay. I guess I'll just drive down and eat a Big Mac or something then. See, I was willing to share some of my lunch. Because remember, I told Tom, go ahead and share it. But I wasn't willing to give all. I was willing to let people have a little as long as there was some left i was willing to give it away as long as i wasn't inconvenienced but that's not how god gives when he gave it cost him something so in your notes would you go back to john 3:16 and this time circle gave his one and only son see when god gave there was no holding back There was no thought of being inconvenienced. There was no thought of just enough. It cost God something. And if we're going to give with the same heart that God does, then you can write this in your notes, Then we need to learn to give generously. We need to learn to hold loosely to what we have so that we can release it. Now, last week, Pastor Sheldon shared that everything belongs to God and that we just get to steward what's His. And if we will grasp that and fully understand it, that everything is just it's in God's hands and we just get to steward His resources, then it's going to be easier to loosen our grip. Now, isn't it true that when we hold tight and we only parcel out a little bit at a time, That we give only according to our convenience. That when it becomes uncomfortable, that we hold back, or we take back, or maybe even we grumble. Okay, I'm going to tell this story, but I want you to know all these stories I'm telling, I'm really not a selfish person. I I do share... I, just, um, I was working on this message, and God was sharing my heart with me. But I had gone to lunch with a group of friends, and we were eating at Cafe Pesto. Now, whenever I eat at Cafe Pesto, I, it's always too much for me. So I always have half my food left over. And then I'll put in a little takeout bag, and I'll take it. But I never take it home for me. I always take it to my daughter where she works, and I walk in, and I get to give her her lunch. And it's become kind of this joke between me and all the um, workers there. Well, this day I had gone, and there were about four or five of us eating lunch together, and everybody had leftover food. So we boxed up our lunches, and we're walking out of the restaurant. And you know um, downtown that the houseless people hang out there sometimes? And we're walking, and on the sidewalk, on this side is one houseless person, and on this side is another. And we're walking, and we're talking, and we're laughing, and the lady that's next to me just very nonchalantly bends down and gives her food away to one lady which is the other one without food. And I sat there and I'm looking and within a nanosecond, all this goes in my mind. I'm like, oh man, you just went and got all holy on me. You're acting like a Christian. I'm a pastor. It's going to look bad if I don't give my food. But I got to give it to my daughter. And then I start scanning with the other ladies to see if they'd notice and if they're going to give their food and they didn't notice so they didn't give their food. So I went and gave mine. And then we get in the car, and I didn't leave it there. We get in the car, and we're driving, and I turn to the lady, and I go, Oh, Miss Holy. You get all Christian out over there. And she starts laughing. She goes, No, I was just, God just laid it on my heart. And I, and I laughed. And it worked out. Somebody asked me in first service. Yeah, my daughter got lunch. Somebody else gave their lunch up. It was Heidi. And she went in, and she goes in. And she says, Your mom gave your food away, so I brought you mine. You know, but later on, I was thinking, and I thought, what was the problem? Why did I even struggle? Because walking out of that restaurant, that food already, it wasn't going to be mine. I was going to give it away anyways. Why did I have a problem giving it away? And then I realized, because I had to sacrifice. I had a plan. And I had to sacrifice and change my plan to give to someone else. And as I thought through my response, I needed to admit that because it was an inconvenience to me that my heart just wasn't hardened. And my heart was hardened. And I stopped and I had to take a good, long, hard look at my heart and see what was shaping it. And then I thought about King David. And I thought about how God calls David a man after my own heart. And every time I hear that, I always think, he... He had a heart like God's. He desired the things of the Lord. He valued the things that God valued. He said, Lord, I want a heart like that. I want a heart like David's because it's so much like yours. You know, as he was getting on in years, it began to bother King David that he was living in this beautiful palace, and yet the temple of God was in a tent. And so he decides that he sets his heart that he's going to build a temple for the Lord. And towards the end of his life, he gives this instruction to the people. He says, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord. And with all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, Iron for the iron and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise stones of turquoise, stones of various colours, and all kinds of fine stones and marble. All of these in large quantities. King David held nothing back. It might have even inconvenienced him. It cost him, and yet he gave. And that's the heart I know I need to develop. Later on in the New Testament, the Macedonian church set the very same example, and they were commended for it. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. In the midst of all their trials and poverty, they were generous beyond measure when they gave. And if I'm really honest with you, that's something I struggle with. See, I'm really easy to give what's left over. To give out of my abundance or my extra. Now imagine this. Your friend calls you and says, it's your birthday. Why don't you come on over for dinner, and we'll do something really nice and special. So you get really excited. You're anticipating it. You go and you take a shower. You put on clean clothes. You drive to your friend's house. And when you get there, you knock on the door, and they open it, and they look like they just got out of the garden. And you start, "Ooh, mm, well, okay. Maybe I got this wrong. Uh, I'm not sure. But they walk you to the table and it's set it's got a nice table setting. They even use a tablecloth, and not even the vinyl kind. It's real cloth. And you start thinking, oh, this is, this is going to be nice. It's my birthday. And then your friend goes into the kitchen, and they come out, and they bring a casserole dish. And they say, you know, last night, we had this really great lasagna. And we had leftovers. And I just said, you know what? Let's eat that for dinner tonight. And you think, I could have stayed home and ate leftovers. I have lasagna in my house. I could have eaten that. But isn't that what we sometimes do to God? We hope that he's content with our leftovers. Because giving after I've done my thing doesn't hurt much. Giving what's extra is comfortable. You know, we've been casting vision for Save to Save. And what we want to do is we want to finish up our courtyard. But our goal isn't just finishing the courtyard. It's about connections. It's about relationship building. And it's a lot about the life that will happen with people in the courtyard. So a few months ago, um, my husband and I, we took a staycation, and our whole family went. My kids, the grandkids and all that. And we're sitting poolside at the Hilton, and there's eight kids connected with us somehow, running around, going down the slides, they're in the jacuzzi, swimming in the pool, splashing. And I'm sitting by the side of the pool, and I'm reading, and I'm enjoying the day. The sun is shining, it's just beautiful. And that's the time that Tom decides to have the save-to-save save conversation. So he says, have you been praying about save-to-save? Save? And I go, oh, yeah, yeah. Now, my husband, um, he's a project manager up here. So I've heard the talk, and I know what the estimate is for the building and what it's going to take to finish. And so I do what everybody else does. Okay, there's this many people in the church, and if this percentage gives, and there's this much that needs to be done. If I divide this number into this number, this much is needed. And then I prayed with that number in mind. And when I came up with a number, it was above this number. So I was really proud of myself. Like, oh, yeah, I came up with this number. And I gave him the number. And he goes, oh. And I thought, oh, that's an impressive number. He's going to say maybe that's too much. And he goes, well, I was thinking of this number. And I went, oh. It was higher than mine. And I looked at him and I said, well, yeah, but you know, I was thinking like we would take it out of the vacation fund. And if you give that, We got nothing left in the fun. This is like the last time we're gonna do this for a while, because it takes a while to save for this many people. And as I was thinking that, it was like a still small voice, just very gently. You're okay with giving me leftovers? I don't know. See, if I'm gonna have a heart like God's and then I'm gonna become like Him in giving, then I need to let go. I can't hold on tightly. And being generous in my attitude is something that I need to develop so that I can excel in giving. Now, there's another side to this. Because in giving, we cannot be unwise. So I'm going to ask you to write this in your third blank Give with an eternal purpose. When we give, there must be a sense of purpose, there must be a vision and a direction. So I'm going to ask you to go back to John 3, 16. And this time, I want you to circle, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God gave his son Jesus because he loves us. But beyond loving us, there was an eternal purpose for God's gift. And that purpose is that he wants each and every one of us to spend eternity with him. And if we're going to be like God when it comes to giving, then we need to give with that purpose in mind. We need to value and invest in that which will last into eternity. Then one of the first messages that somebody wrote down that Jesus gave, he spoke to his followers and he said this, Do not store up for yourselves, treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also we can build our treasures here on earth but they're not going to last forever cars are going to break down and rust Houses will age and need repairs, especially here in Hawaii where we have termites. Jobs will outgrow us. The stock market will take us on adventurous rides. Nothing is going to last forever. There's only one thing that we can invest in that we're going to see in eternity, and that's people. When I get to heaven at the end of my time here on earth, I'm not going to bring my car, no matter how good a care I take of it. I'm not going to live in my house no matter how clean I keep it or how often I tent it. I won't even have my job or ministry. But what I will have are the people that I invested in, the people that I loved and I encouraged. And as I grow to look like God in my giving, I need to start asking myself, what am I investing my time, my energy, and finances in? Will it grow and develop other people? Is what I want to invest in or give to going to have an impact that will take someone into eternity? For God so loved the world. He gave without limits. He gave His one and only Son. He gave generously. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave with an eternal purpose. I'm gonna ask you to put away your notes. Now, like I said, for some time we've been speaking about the courtyard and we've talked about the vision of covering it, of adding bathrooms, of adding a serving area. And like I said, at first it sounds like we're connecting or we're adding space. But our vision is so much more than a roof or space. We want to provide an area where people will connect with others, where families can gather. Where ministries like Celebrate Recovery, which is already meeting out there, can continue to meet and bring people offering hope and healing. In our courtyard, imagine someone sitting down with a friend and speaking about the message. And maybe for the first time, being introduced to Jesus as their Savior. Imagine a couple who's been married longer. They're more seasoned in their marriage. And they understand the storms of life sitting with a newly married couple and encouraging them through the first years. Imagine life here on earth intersecting with eternity with God in heaven in conversations that take place where hope is being offered. That's what we're saving for. We're saving to save. Now, some of us might not even use a courtyard or we may say, you know, it doesn't affect me. But we're not just doing it for today. We're doing it for tomorrow, for our kids. We're doing it for eternity. So if you've been praying, or if New Hope is your home church, then I encourage you, just hear the Lord in this. Next week, we'll be receiving the offering for Save to Save. So just be asking God how you get to be a part of it. Okay? You can close your Bibles. And I know we've been talking a lot about John 3, 16. And God loves so much that he gave. And for some of us here, we're getting, for the first time maybe, that God gave Jesus for me as an individual, as a person. That God's hope isn't just for the whole world, but it's for me. And I need that hope. I need that forgiveness. I need that reason to keep going. And Jesus loves me. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads. And if this is you, and you're feeling like, I want that hope. I want to receive that gift that God gave to me. I want to receive his mercy, the forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Then I ask you if you'd raise your hand so we can pray with you. That you want to receive Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior. I see your hands. I see those hands. I see your hand back there and over there. I see your hand there and right here. I see your hand right here and back there and right there. Right there, I see your hand in the back and right here. Can you put your hands down now? I'm going to ask everybody, would you repeat after me? Lord Jesus, you are that wonderful, indescribable gift. Thank you for coming. Thank you for saving me. I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. Come fill my heart and make me more like you. And that's our prayer, Lord, that we would develop hearts that would be like yours, that we would give generously, without limits, and with an eternal purpose. Would you come, Lord Jesus, and have your way. Change us to look like you, so that as we go out into the workplace, into our families, and into our communities, that people say, they look just like Jesus. That's our prayer. In your name, and everyone says, amen. Okay, for those of you who raised your hand and said, Jesus, welcome.